Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Kendrick Dish started his branded content studio, Vertical River, at the beginning of 2019. Before starting his own business, Kendrick worked as a video production manager, a studio manager, and a photographer. Today, he's focused on sustainable storytelling and growing his business from his home base in Atlanta to wherever the story takes him next. Kendrick, let's get into it and welcome to the show. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So I gave a little bit about your background, but I'd love for you to give us like 30 seconds or a minute about your background and what got you to the point that you're at right now. Sure. There's a there's a fairly uh, straight path that goes through a lot of different directions. <laughs> uh, started with music and was really into music and and then realized that I wanted to record. I was in a band. I wanted the band to have music videos and concert videos. And so I got a camera and I started, t you know, filming the, the shows and then editing and, and sharing those shows and and then uh, I realized I was really passionate about that, and I was actually pretty terrible at music. So I so I sold all my music equipment, went all in on on video stuff, bought cameras, bought an editing computer, and kind of hit the ground running. And it's been my career since. Um, well, it's been my whole career. I started doing that stuff in college, and 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 um, since this is a, a podcast about business, I did start freelancing for for people on the side while I was in college. That's how far back my video production. Uh, goes. Yeah. Uh, so I got to ask, what kind of music was it that you were playing in the band? Oh man, we played ska music. Do you Love know what ska, ska is? <laughs> Love ska. Mighty, mighty Boston. Yeah, I mean, exactly. come on. Yeah. We had a little eight piece band. Um, and, uh, and then when I got to college, I realized that like, there's a whole nother level of skill involved. And it, like, we were okay in high school. We were cool in high school, but like <laughs> you get to college and like people are actually really good. And we're like, oh, oh, that. Oh, okay. I see. They're good. <laughs> That's funny. So um, where did you go to college and what were you studying? I went to the University of Arkansas. And okay. uh, I kind of built my own uh, major, really, out of a bunch of pieces of other majors. But yeah, it says on my degree, a communications major. But I took okay. uh, drama classes. I took um, all the film lecture classes. I took the broadcast journalism classes so we could learn how to do news studio stuff and, and uh, took creative writing, a whole lot of creative writing. To learn how to write. And so I kind of built my own, what I call it's, it's my own film degree. But since they didn't offer a film degree, I had to settle for a communications degree. Yeah. Um, looking back at your time in college, do you feel like that uh, helped set you up for what you're doing now and what you've done through your career? Um, yeah. or were there things that you, like now looking back, like, oh, I wish I'd taken this class or that class that would have helped me out in doing this? I, uh, I was kind of, I don't know if I was sheltered. That's probably the wrong word, a little too harsh to, for what my situation. I just didn't realize that going to a different school that had a film program was even an option. It wasn't like, you know, oh, you could do that if you wanted. You could go to USC. You could go to University of Texas. You could go to these programs that are really good. 
it, it just kind of seemed too far-fetched money-wise. It was like, that didn't seem like reality. So what it really taught me is to use what you have and, and, and go after it anyway. Like you use your resources, build from what you have. Don't sit there and just wish for something that can't, you can't get, just use what you have and work towards it. And I've always kind of worked my way out of whatever pickle I find myself in. I think hard work gets you out of those. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, so when you started at uh, University of Arkansas, was it a communications majors or in, like did you start with that or or did you like figure it out along the way? Um, I I landed on that after a couple of years. I started as an English major. Okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. So yeah. so you didn't realize during that path that like hey maybe you would have been better served by switching schools or or maybe it was because of the cost and everything that. It wasn't even part of it was all my friends were at that school and my girlfriend <laughs> was at that school. And so switching schools wasn't even on my radar. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, okay. So in college then you're like, okay, the band's not working. Uh, and so you start, uh, freelancing and, and side hustling this stuff. Was that the first time, I mean, the band was probably an entrepreneurial venture too, because true. You, you had to go get clients. Was there anything before then that you did entrepreneurial? Well, both my parents were entrepreneurs. Okay. Um, and so it's been kind of one of those things where it, it wasn't even talked about in my house. It wasn't like, this is entrepreneurship and you should have a business. They, did, they didn't talk in terms of business. They just did what they did. Yeah. And, and I thought that was what people should do. They just do their, do what they do. Uh, my mom was a midwife. Okay. She, she had clients who were pregnant and she would help them have home births. My dad had a variety of businesses, but, um, he was a uh, computer uh, technician, basically, or a networking engineer, basically. And so he had his own business clients that he would serve. And um, one of the interesting, I guess one of the interesting things I learned, though, though it was like, it's, it's, it's obvious to me now, but, but back then, my dad pivoted in a major way at a certain point. He, uh, he used to work at Walmart. He cashed out his stocks at a certain point and started his own business, but he started a woodworking business. He was like, I'm going to be a woodworker. I'm going to like make stuff and I'm going to sell it. And uh, so he was doing all that. He bought this, all these tools. One of the things he bought was a computer so he could print things and put them on the wood, like, like plaques or like whatever. So he, so he started messing with the computer. He got really interested in the computer and he pivoted his whole business to computer stuff. So wow. then he, the woodworking stopped, the computer stuff began. He ended up opening a company with some other people and they, they did uh, business consulting and, and computer stuff when I was in high school. And then he kind of went on his own and just did that. And he's still, he he's mostly retired now, but, um, but he's been doing that since then. So that pivot to his interest, like he thought he was going to do woodworking, but he pivoted to, to computers because that was what he was passionate about. And I just thought in hindsight, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and and back then you wouldn't even call it a pivot. That, that that's a new right. term now um, for that kind of shift too, yeah. right? Like for him, it was probably like this is just much more interesting. Um, and he was probably on the early edge of computers coming out in business and and home as well, right? Yeah, I was definitely one of the first kids to have a home computer, and I was definitely I I was able to nerd out at the young age. Like I was always getting on the internet before anyone else even knew you know, what the internet was, or they just had it at school and, and play Oregon trail, but that was it. But I was like, <laughs> I started building websites, um, at the age of 13 because I just th found it, it was fun. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I, I'm right there with you and I've, I've played a lot of Oregon trail in my day. So, um, what, what a great business, uh, what, what a great game that, uh, not really exists. I don't think anymore. Like, I wonder if there's a, 
updated version of Oregon Trail for kids now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's got, not. There's got to be. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so you started freelancing and at, at what point did you realize like, Hey, this is, this is actually a business. Um, and I need to be serious about this. I don't know exactly. I think there's a lot of fear. I think, um, because I actually didn't take any business classes in college. I wish I probably, I could have, I should have, I don't know why I really didn't. But, yeah. um, so the, the idea of a business, like that seemed scary, um, and I didn't really have an example in my, I didn't have an example of somebody who had built a business, um, as a video producer, video production person that like, they all just ended up working for the news stations. And, um, so it was kind of, I didn't really have the example to follow and I didn't think too much about business. I just thought about getting a job. And so it, I just ended up with jobs. It, it didn't really occur to me to like think that I'm going to be a business owner, but I just, I liked the right. freelancing. I liked the extra income. Um, and I liked just working on these fun projects. It still really didn't occur to me to like pursue it as a business. Yeah. That didn't, that didn't come until, um, that didn't come until later when I moved to Atlanta, I, I moved to Atlanta in order to just go to a school called the portfolio center. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I studied photography while I was there. And they were teaching you about how to run your business, how to like do commercial photography as a business. And so that really opened my mind as like, I'm in charge of my own destiny here. I can, I can start a business. And, um, and that takes me to the story of actually my first business. If you want me to go there, I'll tell you about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. It, fa it yeah. failed. It failed. It, it wasn't even an epic fail. It was just a quiet fade out, <laughs> fade to black sort of a thing. Um, uh, I realized I'd, I had done a few different um, employment places uh, in, in the photography and video education world. And they do these things called workshops. It's a pretty popular way to learn. Um, it's kind of like summer camp for adults who are interested mm -hmm. in playing with cameras and stuff. So I was involved with two different places, um, the Santa Fe photography workshops and the main media workshops. And I worked both of those places and realized that these workshops are, are really cool. There's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of people doing these as well, That but there's not really a directory site. There's like, if you want to search okay. for, for example, underwater flower arranging workshop. Uh, where does that happen? Where do you look for that? You can Google it. That's kind of the only way you're going to find it. And it turns out, oh, it's this small place off the coast of South Carolina. And they're the only ones in the country doing underwater flower arranging. And uh, and you're like, it's Jan January or let's say June 1st to June 7th at this location. And you're like, wow, that's really cool. I'm going to sign up for it. But there's no directory to search for that stuff. So mm -hmm. I wanted to build a directory to help people find these workshops that are happening all over the place and basically a search engine for them. So I started a company called workshoppers.org. Okay. And um, I learned a whole lot about how to uh, fail at running a business. Basically, I focused on the wrong things. Uh, I didn't have the right people around me. I was naive and I didn't have a runway. So it lasted for four years, kind of active development for two, had a bunch of listings, but it never made a dime. And um, and then ultimately we we just made some some technology mistakes that cost us our SEO and we were getting blacklisted basically by Google. And, uh, and then it just kind of sat there for two years and then somebody shut the server off and that was that. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> was that 
a company that was just you or were there other folks that were? Well, I started with a couple of people who wanted to be co-founders, um, but pretty quickly they, they just kind of decided maybe co-founding wasn't, co-founding wasn't what they wanted. So they kind of drifted away and I found somebody else who I was paying to help develop the site. Cause even though I'm fairly technical, I wasn't technical enough to do development and, um, right. and I paid them and they did stuff, but I was kind of paying them not that well. And, not enough to not to keep their interest and they had a job and a family and all and it was just like it kind of wasn't getting the attention it needed and and i yeah. wasn't able to give it the attention and yeah just kind of a, a a slow fade out yeah so looking back at that what do you feel like you learned from that experience that you use today well r- runway runway is an important c- concept um I, at the time at that point in time i had no business trying to try, trying to to do a startup because I had no capital at all. <laughs> I had zero money and yeah. I still have to pay rent and I still have to eat. Right. And to start a website, it was free to have your stuff on there. And I was hoping ads would eventually <laughs> be the, the thing that made money, but I didn't have anybody selling it. So like, uh, it was, it was a disaster. It was just a disaster, a slow, uh, disaster. And I was also trying to do video stuff at the time. And that's another flavor of my entrepreneurial, um, non-success, uh, was that I, I was spending so much time on this website that wasn't making any money that I wasn't marketing my services very well. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't out there hustling. I wasn't out there meeting new people. I wasn't out there even updating my own stuff. Like, I mean, I would post a little bit here and there, but I wasn't, I was focused on this thing that was just what I wanted to do instead of what I needed to do. And I think that's a lesson I had to learn the hard way. Um, and I was just putting, you know, and eventually my financial, my financial situation just got worse and worse and worse and had to go get a job. So I went and I did that job and then I built up some capital and I built up a, a longer runway. So that the eventually it took me seven years to then start Vertical River um, once I felt more financially comfortable to, to take that leap. Yeah. So when you got to that point, um, what did you feel like you needed in terms of personal runway before you left? to start vertical river. Interesting. Uh, how much do I think I needed? Um, I mean, how much did you collect? Like how much did you like think about? And then like, I need a year's runway personally, or I need three years runway. Like what, what was the number for you? Well, that's not quite the way it played out. Um, I got laid off from my job. And so that was go time. It was go time, whether or not I had the money or not. Um, but my, the company I got laid off from, uh, it was a video marketing team. We, they, they, laid, they laid off the whole team in Atlanta. They shut down the Atlanta office. And I negotiated with the CEO of that company um, who did, a, did the layoffs. Um, I said, listen, if you're going to liquidate this office, I would like to, me and some of these other people in this office would like to buy the video equipment. So that took up most of my, most of my any capital I did have. I just immediately invested it in buying equipment. Um, so we, we negotiated with them. They made us a good deal. We bought a whole bunch of camera stuff and that was the seed of starting my own video production content company, um, is, is buying that equipment. And so it helped that I got a good deal on the equipment. Uh, and then, then I was ready to run with, with, with what we were doing, but I still had to make money pretty fast in order to pay rent. Yeah. And, uh, and of course I got spousal, my, my wife works and she was able to, to help out and we pretty quickly moved to a lower overhead situation. Um, we were right in the hot spot of town. We had a town home that was nice. We were like kind of living the two job, no kids kind of a thing. And so then when it was decided that 
I was going to start this business. We moved, we lowered our overhead quite a bit further out in this, you know, we're not quite super far out, but like much cheaper cost of living out here where we are. And, right. uh, and we were able to like just lower our overhead quite a bit. And so living with a lower overhead is a big lesson learned. Um, it's a real big lesson learned. Yeah. And, and I think that's true regardless, right? Like a lot of times you see people that become successful and their overhead goes up um, and they acclimate to that level and it's fine as long as everything's okay. It's just when something goes wrong that then it's not a yeah. good thing. And people's situations change. You decide you want to do something different or, yeah. uh, you know, my wife was a, a freelance consultant for, for several years and she just decided I'd rather go work. Which yeah. was which was fine. You don't you're not stuck in whatever situation you're in. You're not right. stuck in it. You can you can you can pivot. <laughs> right, right, exactly. the The challenge is, is that as your overhead goes up, you do start becoming more and more stuck um, because opportunities close off. Right, like you can't do the fun. You can't go from woodworker to a computer person because you're like, well, I don't know if that's going to work, and my overhead is X, and I need to make right. sure I yeah, make it you, all work. Right. Yeah, when you box yourself in by having these commit financial commitments that right. are, you know, not not negotiable, then yeah, you're you're kind of you can get yourself stuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't know if we if we talk about that enough, uh, especially with founders and people that are doing side hustles, because a lot of time people that are doing side hustles and, and small businesses, they're trying to uplift themselves. But I think there's a benefit of uplifting yourself, but also making sure that you don't overspend and overextend yourself. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. for the for the listeners of this, I just kind of want to also, uh, this seems like a fine time to just mention that like we have lower overhead but my income is pretty low too because i've been i've been working my my butt off in this business working more than i work when i work full time for someone else but a lot of it goes back into the business a lot of it goes into like a lot of the work i do is is non billable type stuff um and it's just a case of it's after 4 years i'm finally starting to feel like i have a reasonable income now it's been, and of course, we went through COVID times. You know, we started in 2019, but then, you know, within a year of opening our business, COVID hit, and uh, and that really reduced our income a whole lot. So it's kind of been a couple of years of digging out of that, and even I guess surviving through COVID was something that wasn't a guarantee. It was pretty tough. Yeah. No. Absolutely. How would you think about, or, or how do you think about um, your happiness? Like that's another dimension that I don't know that we talk about. Like your happiness before when you were an employee and working for somebody else and now where you're doing whatever you want to do, basically. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I am a fantastic worker. Like I work really hard. I, I get along with most people, but I'm very opinionated. And uh, it turns out that, that even if you're a hard worker and even if you get along with people, being very opinionated is not always appreciated in a corporate environment or working for someone else. It's a lot of times they don't want to hear what you have to say or they just think you're, 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 you're know-it-all. And, uh, and so I found myself up against, um, in a lot of my jobs, jobs, I've found myself up against sort of some, uh, just some friction with my bosses and, and that creates unhappiness, right? So working for myself, uh, even if it's not paying all that well at certain points in time, it's fantastic. I love working for myself and it makes me really happy, even though it sometimes makes me more stressed. 
I get pretty stressed. I get pretty worried. I get pretty like anxious about things, but there's not really very often a day when I'm like, I'd rather be working for so-and-so. There's just, yeah. it doesn't happen. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox, committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. Um, let's talk, uh, let's dig into what you just mentioned there is, uh, talking about stress. How do you think about, and how do you balance stress between work and then, you know, keep boundaries with like the rest of life, right? Family, friends, all that stuff. Are are there routines that you go through like exercise or meditation or anything else like that, that you use to help kind of balance all this stuff too? Let's call that an area of opportunity for me. Um, (laughs) But but the truth is, is that I have learned a lot about that side of my life um, and how important it is because of, I've learned it because I haven't had good habits. I haven't had good practice. I've, I've gone too far in the, the not taking care of myself direction. And I've had to work my way back um, to understanding the, the different ways that, that my life is impacted by things. And, uh, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing, but I think what I didn't realize, and if I could give some, some, some of my thinking to other people, I would say it is really hard to fathom how it's all connected, how deeply it all connected. Your mental health is connected to your nutrition, your, 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 uh, intelligence and how, like, I'm stumbling while I say this, but like how quickly your brain works is, is, is related to your, how often you exercise. And like, yeah. all those things are so interconnected that in it, if you're not, if you're missing one of them, you're not paying attention to a certain area, you're going to suffer in some way. And, um, giving all those things, the right importance in the moment is what seems to be difficult. And I go through periods I'm right now I'm in a period of time where I'm pro- where I'm not exercising as much as I should. And I know that, um, but it happens to be a busy time with my business as well. And so I've got to learn a new way of managing both of those two priorities. Earlier when the business wasn't as quite as busy, I found the time to, to go to the gym quite often. And then just like we have mentors uh, in our business or we have people we mm-hmm. ask for advice and we have people we rely on, that seems very normal. That's like, oh yeah, you have a mentor, cool. But we usually don't have a mentor for our uh, for our health. We don't have a health mentor. And so a couple of years ago, I found a health mentor, um, and his name is Tyler Buckingham. Easy to find on the internet. Um, but he's he's local in Atlanta, and he's a he he focuses on helping people with their nutrition, their mental health, and their fitness. He's a personal coach, personal trainer. Wonderful guy, and he helped me understand how these things are all so connected. And I was working out with him uh, a couple times a week, and he was advising on um, some of the other areas of of my health. And so, it's one of those things where you just have to pay attention to these things, and you have to learn it. Just like another business, you have to learn accounting, or you have to learn bookkeeping, or you have to learn, you know, SEO strategy, or you have to learn email marketing. You have to learn. You have to learn all these things to to run. You have to be a manager. You have to be a leader. You have to be like sales, you got to learn this stuff to be a good business owner. And um, learning about your own health is one of those things that you you need to you need to learn. You just got to. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that's a fantastic piece of advice. I don't think I've ever thought about getting a health mentor. Um, that's just something I'd. Uh, it's obvious, but I just <laughs> never really thought about. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think about thing. it. I didn't really think about that phrasing until right. um, until I was thinking about this interview. I was like, that's a big part of. Um, that's a big part of success. Making sure that you have your your life in order is a, more than just the business. It's about making sure your body and brain and your whole being is is good. I mean, even if you're even if you're just a little stressed, your mood can be impacted, and then you blow a sale, and then your wife is mad at you because you yelled at her about the dishes or whatever. It's like all these things are all impacted so much, and so um, it's it's a it's an equal priority. Yeah, and if you can't bring your best self to the business, then the business is never going to be as good yeah. as it could be. Right. So yeah, you owe it, you owe it to who you owe it to everybody. Yeah. You know, you owe everybody that you work with, you owe it to them to be in good health. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, so let's kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about, um, running the business and, and the things that you might use, either it's technology or apps or systems, that you've implemented that help you run your business better? Like, is there one thing that you can think of that you're like, man, if I didn't have this, I, it would be a lot harder to do. I'm a big fan of, of software technologies and, mm -hmm. and we use quite a few of them in our business. Um, and then just getting them all to talk to each other is, is, yeah. is the hiccup. So I was, when I was looking for a, a primary piece of business tool that we use. I wanted one that didn't have that. I wanted one that did a lot of things. Right. And we settled on one called Hive. Okay. Um, Hive is a project management tool and a communications tool. And so it takes a lot of the elements from many of the others that people are familiar with. It takes a whole lot of what Slack has to offer, mm -hmm. has a whole lot of what like Asana has to offer. Yep. And it kind of puts those together. Um, and huh. And you can bring in, and it, and it and it allows you to like look at your emails within its platform and reply to email within its platform too. So huh. and you're you're at least it ties in with Google. So we use Google Business for our, to run our back end, so our emails and our calendars and all that. Um, but that ties into Hive as well. So you can look at your calendar and schedule appointments, um, and you can look at your email and reply to emails. And then if there are action items within that email, you can like highlight it. And, and then make a new task and assign it to people or assign it to yourself or set reminders. And you can do all these things. And so from a streamlined perspective, uh, really, there's not that many pieces of software I found that have like the chat functionality that Slack has built into the project management side of it. And a few right. of them have it, but it's not, it's not really well implemented. But in this tool called Hive, it's very well implemented um, so that you can have these little chat rooms if you want for projects uh -huh. or for company culture things. So you can have individual DM conversations or group DMs, and you can have comments also on tasks. And so there's a lot of places where communication can happen. And I think that's an important piece of our business because we're fully remote. Um, all of our people are, you know, they're all over. And so having a, a very organized, centralized place where all the work and the communication about the work is being talked about and tracked within one app. So you're not looking all over the place. So looking back now, um, you've been doing this for a bit, uh, uh, at least a few years now, right? Four years. Um, is there something like looking back now with hindsight that you would be like, man, if, knowing what I know now, I would have done this this way. I would have done it differently. Is there something that stands out to you? Well, I'm still trying to figure out what works. Um, 
and I'm trying a lot of new things, uh, yeah. especially when it comes to business development. I think that's the area where we struggle the most. Uh, it seems like a lot of people do. Um, and I'll say this, that I don't want to take credit for everything Vertical River has ever done. When I started this company, I started with a partner and uh, his area of ownership had a lot to do with business development and account management and, and some of the other things we were doing. Um, and he got us set with a good foundation. And we eventually split as business partners. I was able to buy his side of the company from him. And, uh, and I learned a lot from what he set up and how he approached things. And so I was able to kind of take what he had given us and run with it. Um, but I think we're still learning a lot about different ways of, of trying to get our name in front of people and get our, get meetings with people and even how to properly pitch them. Cause it's not an area that I'm like super gifted at. So I'm still trying to figure a lot of it out. And I, I don't think I have a particularly magic recipe to give out other than that. Like this is a, this is a, like people, like invest in people. That's the only thing I know of so far that has worked is relationships with people pay off. Like, and I'm not looking at an ROI of somebody. I'm not saying, what's the ROI of this person I just met? I don't look at it like that. I say, <laughs> right. I just met somebody cool. I want to stay in touch with them. I want to make sure they know what we're doing. But that's that's the extent of my like efforts to like to like harvest them. Um but then it turns out that like in six months they think of me for something and then they hire us or they they refer us. And that's really the basis of it is you just network with people, build authentic relationships, and those relationships grow. Yeah. And you don't necessarily know what they're going to grow up to be. Like it's like planting seeds that you don't really know what the seed is. Like, oh, no, that one's a mango tree. <laughs> this one is a watermelon. This one turned out to be a, a mushroom uh, or whatever. It's like you don't know what they are, but you just keep keep growing keep growing your relationships and and uh we're not necessarily growing super fast because we're not aggressive about our our, our sales generation but mm -hmm. i will say that we keep clients we we do good work we keep our clients happy and they refer us to other people and we grow from there that's been our growth strategy yeah yeah and and that's absolutely important right like churn is probably one of the most expensive things that happens for a small business so if you can keep clients sometimes better than getting a new client um, right there. Um, okay, so last question for you. Actually, I have, I have two questions for you. One is, um, if you've got somebody that's uh, on the verge, you know, one of our listeners on the verge of, of starting that side hustle um, or going into a small business, is there like a piece of advice that you would give them uh, if they're kind of on the fence and thinking about doing this or not? Yeah, there's some advice I would give. And it, it a whole lot of what you do as a business owner is not the fun part. A whole lot of it. Um, and if you really want to do something, it it might be easier to do it for someone else because you get to spend more of your time doing the thing you want to be doing. So if you want to be a writer, it, it, it might not be your best interest to, to become a business owner. <laughs> you should just be a writer, right? Or like for video production, you want to start a video business and you really like shooting and you really like um, making videos. I don't spend much of my time making videos. I spend a bunch of time in meetings. I spend a bunch of time writing uh, proposals. I spend a bunch of time doing bookkeeping. I do a book, like, it, I don't make that many videos. I have other people that make videos. They're doing the fun stuff while I'm doing the boring stuff. And so... <laughs> 
I think you really need to think hard about what the life of a business owner actually is yeah, and what you do day to day and if you can enjoy that. And I, it turns out I actually like this process quite a bit mm-hmm. um, and, and, I'm, and I'm feeling pretty good. But if I really just wanted to be behind the camera shooting all day long, this wouldn't be the right situation for me. So really, yeah. the advice is really think hard about what your lifestyle is and what you want it to be. And look at the lifestyle of a business owner and understand that what they do day to day, you know, do they, do you want to spend a lot of time behind the computer doing a bunch of random stuff or do you want to (laughs) do what you want to do? You know, um, that is fantastic advice. I love that. Um, where can our listeners find and connect with you, Kendrick? I'm easy to find. I'm, I'm one of the only Kendrick dishes on the internet. So my last name is D-I-S-C-H. Um, so I'm easy to find. My personal stuff's out there. Vertical River is pretty easy to find too because uh, we chose a name that not many other people ever heard of or used. So Vertical River <laughs> is also easy to find. And, uh, you know, we're pretty busy uh, making stuff for our clients. So we're not real active on social. We're hoping to change that, of course, um, in the future. But uh we, I do think it's it's fun to share our experiences, and so we put up some behind the scenes videos on our on our YouTube channel every now and then, and and our Instagram has some pictures and behind the scenes stuff too. So, you know, you can enjoy those, but we're not super active. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks for coming on today, Kendrick. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business Podcast, powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit Hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit Hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Pari. You can find me on Twitter at at Sanjay, that's S-A-N-J-A-Y or on my website at sanjayparek.com.